0: Welcome to Live Let Thrive, a podcast about the Airbnb life, the share economy, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Micah and Steve.
1: Hello, hello, hello. hello. Welcome back
2: to another exciting episode of Live Let Thrive.
1: What is up, Micah Man?
2: I'm good, Stevie Stacks. Best back to be back. Good to be back in the studio. How you doing?
1: (laughs) back to be back to be back Oh man, i'm doing good i'm doing good you know you and i are always busy as hell doing our businesses and stuff but i feel good to hop on this thing and, and this is our zen this is our place in you know, our sanctuary so i'm happy to to have a great show today with a special guest this is episode 223 of your favorite airbnb vrbo home away home away <laughs> who uses that anymore vrbo lyft all that share economy and short-term rental fund stuff in the world. Coming at you from Arlington and Fort Worth, Texas. Man, so and we have... I'll go uh, ahead. <laughs> I was waiting for you. We yeah. have a special guest today, Micah Mann. we got? Very special guest. Uh, his name is Dave Mensel. Uh, Dave... Who's Dave? Dave has been managing vacation rental properties since 2018 when he purchased his first unit in Sedona, Arizona. Short-term rentals were fairly new to Arizona at the time. Hard to believe that. And Dave is one of the first in Sedona to set up a legal Airbnb. Keyword legal. Dave found himself routinely helping others in his condominium community to establish their own rentals, which eventually evolved into a consulting business, helping new owners establish and grow short-term rental businesses. In 2019, Dave decided to write a book on the topic. You might have heard of it, Micah. And uh, in 2020, the Vacation Rental Bible was published. In 2022, Dave published Supercharger Airbnb, which contains 50 tips to improve your short-term rental business performance. And Dave is currently writing an STR financial management book and expects to publish it in 2023. Not a busy guy at all. Welcome to the show, Dave. Hey,
0: thank you. Thank you, Steve. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah,
1: man. Michael's a big, big fan of yours. And I'm learning about you today.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: a huge fan. I'm a book nerd. So someone uh, inboxed me and said, Hey, man, you got to read this vacation rental Bible. So I added it to my list. And man, it was a really, really good book. Love the book. So Dave, go into it. So how did you get started in the short term rental space in Sedona? How did you get into that?
0: Oh, man, it was, was, to be honest, it was kind of on a whim. Uh, You know, my wife and I wanted to retire down to the southwest somewhere someday not anytime soon <laughs> but uh we fast-tracked a couple things we said you know what let's just buy a place a little vacation place for ourselves and if we can figure out how to rent it and maybe it pays for itself then 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 awesome let's do it uh, we were actually looking in west summerland just outside of vegas and then uh like four different people four different friends and co-workers all said no no no, forget vegas forget vegas go to sedona and i was kind of like okay well where is that? What is Sedona? Let's go check it out. <laughs> so we, we have to fight. We flew down, and uh, I, think, uh, I don't think it was 24 hours later. We were sitting with a realtor writing closing and papers on a condo. We're like, yep, this this place is for us. We love it. Wow. We weren't thinking anything about cash flow or financial metrics or anything. We were thinking like mountain biking and hiking and, and all that. And uh, so we found a property manager, started working with the property manager. Um, you know, you guys mentioned short-term rentals were brand new in Arizona at that time, so no property manager was really well versed in short-term rentals at that point in time. So we were doing uh, monthly rentals, hmm. and then w- with the property manager, then we said, well, you know, we, we we could probably do this better. We could we could Airbnb this ourselves. We we, we could do it. We found a cleaner, um, just self-managed remotely from Wisconsin, and and just started getting the Airbnb thing. Um, just kind of grew it from there.
1: Wow. Nice, man. Nice, man. And so in your book it says it's the vacation rental Bible. So you got your start in an actual vacation rental, not just a, a short-term rental. And so and those worlds ended up colliding, you know? And so that's that's what um that's what's so cool about it. Cause this was like an old school concept, you know, renting someone's vacation home until they retire and it's paid for, you know, hopefully, or it just pays for itself. And then you have a place that's paid for when you retire, but then someone figured out, Oh, we can add some short-term rental Airbnb
0: sauce to this and really, and really start making this a profit machine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. And you say it's an old school concept, but today, I mean, you know, 20, 30 years ago, the tools that we have today just weren't available for somebody living in Wisconsin to manage a property in Arizona. It just, it didn't exist, but technology's caught up and now it's, um, you know, anybody could do it.
2: Now, how, now have, have you expanded into other markets like maybe your local market or other vacation rental markets? Uh,
0: not our local market. No, we actually, we almost bought a, almost bought a lake home nearby. Uh, so we're in Milwaukee and maybe 20 minutes away, there was a property went for sale tough market didn't get it uh, that's okay but uh, we also own properties up in Michigan or mm. a property in Michigan three family
2: okay do you you know do short-term rentals on
0: those oh oh we do yep yep that's an airbnb property um that one's a little bit different so the uh, that was that was our first multi-family all three of them are uh, active short-term rentals uh there's some some local laws in that town that say we have to have it with a local contact so we do have that one under management we are not self-managing that property which was again was a little bit different business model for us i had to kind of come to terms with not managing my own property uh but but it worked out okay i think between writing a couple books managing a couple properties it was nice to be able to hand uh, hand a piece of it off <laughs> nice man um so sedona's a hotbed
1: now right it is sedona boomed it yeah, it absolutely boomed. Because that's where all the movie stars have their like second and third houses,
0: right? And so don't Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a nice <laughs> little area. It's a, it's a beautiful area, it's a good mix out there. And um uh, you know, it's interesting. Our place was the the first place we bought was one of the cheaper properties in the market at that time. And a lot of the property managers and realtors that we were working with, were like, no, don't buy this property, it's too small, nobody's gonna want to rent this. But again, they had long-term rentals, they had monthly rentals in mind, they didn't have Airbnb in mind. But the property is, you know, it's it's a perfect little Airbnb unit. It's great for someone that comes in, you know, a week to 10 days, um, in and out. I mean, it's got everything you need. Its location is just amazing. But you know, you don't have to spend a ton of money to get a good Airbnb property.
1: Now, now, being that, that that area was already kind of people were renting out places, you know, that they didn't live in, there's not really a fear for anti-STR regulations hitting.
0: Uh, you, you know, there's always that fear, um, you know, down there specifically there, uh, the, the locals are really trying to push for a lot more regulation on the STRs. Um, you know, a lot of the public officials have said, if they do pass legislation, anyone that is legally operating an Airbnb will be grandfathered in. So okay. TBD, if that'll ever happen or not, um, I mean, you know, it's at least it's, oh. it's, Politicians company. politicians never lie, so you gotta you can trust oh.
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> now, now. Your condo down there, like how big of a condo is it? And then like what's your target clientele for that condo? Because I've i never been to Sedona. I don't I don't even haven't really heard of Sedona.
0: I, it's funny, I hadn't like I said, I hadn't either until, until we bought there. The place is gorgeous though. Uh the, the city is um, you know, it's, it's a small city, it's only uh, you know a few thousand people live there permanently. Uh but our, our condo, this is the complex is a 32-unit building. So now we own uh, three units in the complex and uh, each property is about 800 square foot um, for for the two bedrooms. There's some one bedrooms that are a little bit smaller, but, you know, 800 square foot in a two bedroom unit isn't a ton of space. But again, if you are in and out in, you know, 10 days, two weeks, it's, it's the perfect amount of space. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, my, you know, my wife and I go down there for a month, a year, and for us to be there for a month, it's like, it's perfect. Mm. So now do you prefer owning over arbitraging? I do. And again, I think, you know, not that there's, I don't, I don't have any issues with arbitraging. It's just for for my business model, I like building the equity. Um, I just, I, I, to be honest, I haven't tried the arbitrage model. But for me, uh, and for my wife personally, and kind of where our financial goals are and where our life goals are, we like building the equity. We do buy and hold. We want to have kind of control over the whole process, start to finish, when we buy, uh, how we rent, when we exit.
2: Yeah, I'm definitely on the same wavelength. I'm getting, I'm not getting out of arbitrage, but I'm moving more towards the ownership side. One very, very interesting thing you said in your book that I actually made an Instagram reel about, and I was like, "Man, this is some really good information." You said, uh, "You said when you go to a certain market, and like if it's a vacation rental market, if you will sometimes buy a property, but like but during the down season." you'll make so much money during like the summer, it'll cover all your down season. And I was saying like, Hey, and like these vacation, like, and you said that works depend because of your, uh, your investing strategy. And I was actually telling people during my reel, your way of thinking is what's now moving into the Metro markets, because what's happening is it's so much saturation. People are like, okay, well I can take a hit because I own the property and I can take a hit on my income because well, I can just make a little bit more than my cash flow. Where in the arbitrage model, is a little bit different. You have to make that extreme amount, and if you don't, you might be broke that month. So, uh, can you got, kind of go into your investment strategy whenever you're looking at these condos and what you're looking to really get out of it? Like, hey, it's a cash flow, equity appreciation. What is it that you're looking at?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm usually usually the one thing I'm not looking for is appreciation. So if, if I get appreciation. Wonderful. I'm happy. I'll take it. Don't get me wrong, but I don't yeah. go into it looking for appreciation. Again, you know, it, it can work. It's just not my personal strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm mainly going in looking for cash flow and ca- cash flow. And probably my most important financial metric I'll look at is return on cash. Mm-hmm. So if I have X amount to invest, what does it do for me? Now, um, I'll, I'll, I'll deviate from that model sometimes. I mentioned the three family up in Michigan.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: that one, that one I bought honestly just because I wanted a place in that town and just the fact that I was able to get a place that uh, was kind of three doors under one roof, so now you have kind of lower maintenance costs as a percentage of the total. Uh, That one, um, kind of getting back to what you mentioned about seasonality, that one booms in the summer. You make all your money in the summer, uh, March, April, October, November, December, it literally sits empty, and then Mm -hmm. you get a small spike in the winter for snowmobilers that come through. But it's, uh, you know, you run around break even in the winter. You basically, you, you get nothing in the kind of that off season and then you get your one season of boom. So for me, I can go up there in the winter. I can use it all winter and I don't feel bad about taking it off the market for myself. I still have two units. I can rent out to snowmobilers when I'm using one. Um, and for me, again, it's, you know, it's still got to check those boxes on, uh, you know, what's important financially to me. And again, I can get to that financial goal because I'm not using it. I'm not taking it off the market during that peak season.
2: Mm. Now, now, this is because you talked about cash on cash and I'm starting to hear a lot of people mm. using just huge chunks of cash, and just buying vacation rentals. What's, what's the typical cash on cash that you're looking for when you're buying these, like your it's, cash return?
0: Uh, you know, that's changed a little bit in the last couple of years here. I used to look, you know, I, I guess you know, quantitatively, I used to like a property if it was 20% or better cash on cash return. Uh, our, our investment strategies change now, property prices have gone up, uh, Airbnb markets kind of slowed down a little bit at the moment. Um, I, I was telling Steve before we just closed on one unit just this week, another one down in Arizona and, uh, that one we took, we, we estimated about 8% return on cash on that one. Now a little bit different. Again, mortgage rates are high. We ended up doing that as a cash deal. Um, so with an all cash yield, you're going to have a lower return on cash. You're just not leveraging up like you would if you're financing it. Um, but again, kind of for where we are right now, it fit our strategy. Makes sense. And to me, I think, you know, Michael, that's probably the most important thing is it's, you know, it doesn't matter what your strategy is. You can have a lot of winning strategies. You just need to know what it is you want out of that property. That's actually what I got from your book. I love that. yeah you know i kind of got tired of hearing people know you have to do it this way you have to do arbitrage you have to buy and hold you have to do Mm -hmm. whatever the strategy it's like no you don't have to do anything you you make your own decisions based on what fits your goals
2: yeah and that's why i always always tell people if you're depending on each one you just have to know the pros and cons and how to navigate the cons if you can navigate the cons you can survive in the short-term rental space you know it's just knowing every single thing you're doing. If you're sitting on Airbnb only, okay, there's going to be cons with that. How do I navigate it? So you're, you're absolutely right. It's so many ways to skin a cat, as Steve would say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so it's like our vacation rental, vacation rentals, the only thing that you like, um, instead of just a single family home somewhere in the
0: suburbs, you're mostly, you're all about vacation rentals? Yeah. yeah. Right now we are only in, only in vacation rentals. Yep. Okay. And why I, is I, that? Uh some of it's the lifestyle it's a property that we can use so if you're doing a you know a year long lease and a single family house then um you know i i can't do anything with that property it's a property i have to maintain yeah i might produce some money it's it's hands off it's a lot more passive than uh running a vacation rental um but it's also a lot lower return for you know substantially similar investment
1: and so so what are some tips? I know that, that you mentioned, like, you know, there's down season. So here, here's something funny that happened, you know, um, kind of funny. Not if you're if you were doing it, like, but <laughs> Scottsdale, I'll bring up Scottsdale. If the word got out like, oh, Scottsdale's a new hot market. Right. And so everybody flooded to Scottsdale this year, like, I guess, in springtime and stuff and just loading up on units left and right. And so it oversaturated the market quite quickly, and then there, but the people were making money. Like, oh, this is great! is the best. Everybody get over here! And all of a sudden, the summer hit, and I guess it's like two hundred degrees over there in the summer. I don't know, but the bottom fell out, and then a lot of people were like, oh, "What are we doing? We can't make any money. I can't make the rents. I can't make the mortgage. I can't," you know. And so everybody freaked out, and I guess hopped out of the game. But now it's picking up because we, we managed some units for a client in Scottsdale and now it's really picking up again. So, I mean, how do you, <laughs> I guess, how do you, um, how do you set your business up to succeed knowing that there's these
0: drastic swings? Mm. But, you know, there's, there's probably three key themes in my book. And, and one of the key themes is build a reserve fund. So if, you know, if, if you do nothing else on the finance side, build a reserve fund. So whether that you know whether that reserve fund is for a new roof, a new air conditioner, a new whatever, or whether it's to weather a downturn in the economy, a slow season, an off season, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what it's for, right? You know, I'll teach you how to account for those various things in the book. Um, a lot of things to account for, but I'm surprised how many people like time and time again, it's like, oh, well, I can't afford that new roof right now. It's like, well, you've owned this property for five years. Weren't you planning for a new roof? Or, <laughs> you know, weren't you planning for a downturn? Weren't you planning for a slow summer? I mean, it's, you know, these things that they, they, they can definitely be planned for mathematically. I mean, you can get it right down to like, you know, I need to save $257 a month to account for my reserve. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my goal is to get everybody to start planning for that. Um, you know, it's a little bit, some of it, it's kind of a mix of the expected and the unexpected. But even the unexpected, you can sometimes expect and plan for. Hmm. So, what's the best
1: way to to utilize that time of the down season where the place is empty? If you go in there and like touch things up, remodel, put new furniture. What do you do?
0: Yeah, we will. Um, we spend a lot of time remodeling properties. We try to try to stay ahead of the curve. So, so another big uh, big part of our strategy, we are more concerned on the top line, and less concerned on the expense line. So we want to run nice rentals. We want to run higher end rentals. Uh, We want to furnish them nice, fix them up nice, paint them nice, decorate them nice, uh, treat our guests well. Um, You know, we found we can charge a lot more for it. That offsets that increase in expenses. So we do. We spend a lot of time fixing up the properties, just, you know, just continually reinvesting into them.
1: Nice, nice. And so how did you get into What made you want to write a book? Uh.
0: You know, I don't know, to be honest, I think uh, my, my wife and I were just drinking one day. We were hanging out in, uh, I think we are down in Death Valley National Park camping. And I was like, you know, I should write a book on Airbnb. <laughs> and I think she kind of like blew it off and she's like, ah, you will never write a book. And I'm like, I should. I'm like, you know, we've helped enough people. We've been doing this long enough. I'm like we're, we're, we're doing okay with it. I'm like, I can write a book. And literally that night I just started writing. I'm like, let me write like two chapters, see how it turns out. I'm like oh, this is this is this is okay i mean this is workable so i'm like all right let me throw that away and let me actually write a book for real let me build an outline and, <laughs> and sketch it out do all my research so it's probably yeah it was probably a 6 month process to write it um but but it was kind of birthed on a whim have, have you like always, have you always had like a passion for writing
2: because that's like man cuz now you've grown into what three different books
0: yeah three uh three different books so two two published books on airbnb a third one in the making um i wrote a little bit of the financial management book and then i was starting to get a little bit burned out so i actually took uh took a little time off of writing that book um and actually just wrote a guidebook to sedona Mm. i I wanted to try something a little bit different with uh you know graphics photos um just kind of share some of the so i I think i mentioned we spent like a month a year down there so i wanted to share some of uh, my experience with town in the book so did that wrote a Sedona guidebook, and now I'm picking back up on the financial management book again, and that's why that one's uh, going to be next year. Hmm.
2: Man, I'm going to speak.
0: I was going to ask. So, how is how has uh, writing
1: a book helped your business? I, would, I think you you get to put stuff on paper and look at it. It's got to like affect you in some way.
0: Well, I, I mean, I think for, first there's the obvious. If I'm doing my research to write a book, then it's going to help me and how I manage and run my own rentals. It'll keep me on kind of on the forefront of what you have to do to run a successful rental property and a successful rental business. Um, Another part of it is it it did kind of force me to to put the three family under professional management to give me the time to write the book. So I'm doing that. It got me hooked up in a lot of the different tools that professional managers use. And it's interesting because uh, um, the lady that manages our Michigan Rentals Force and I have like, we, we have a wonderful relationship because we have very different points of view on it. I have kind of the point of view of, of an owner self-manager and she has, okay, I have a portfolio of, you know, 50 or 60 or whatever properties she manages. So we use different tools. And, you know, I hadn't previously used some of the tools that she uses and she hasn't managed and thought about property management in the way that I have as an owner manager. Um, so we learn from each other. Um, but yeah, it definitely keeps you on that cutting edge. Mm, I like that. With,
2: with your property manager, are you, are you only on Airbnb with your properties?
0: uh airbnb and verbo okay airbnb and verbo so like and that's it
2: okay so like and then i have a question because i know verbo is real big on like vacation rental markets what's your traction like what's your ratio between airbnb and verbo and like sedona uh
0: you know it's different than i thought it was going to be i thought it was going to be closer to 50 50 or heavy on the verbo side but we do probably uh probably 80 plus percent on airbnb
2: okay do you, do you know, like, like due to the type of clientele that's coming to Sedona, is that like
0: families or younger people? What is it? It's well, demographic is a lot of families, okay. a lot of families, a lot of, uh, we'll see a lot of events. We'll see weddings. We'll see um, uh, engagement parties, bridal, uh, you know, bridal showers, things like that come in. Um, and we, we try to cater to a lot of that as well. We, we cater very strongly to families. So, you know, every, Everyone's going to have a pack and play, a crib, that kind of stuff in it. We cater very heavily towards families. Um, And again, that's kind of who part of it's who we want to be in our unit. We want, you know, people with kids. We want people that are out doing the kind of things that we like to do. Uh, You know, one of my hobbies is mountain biking. Every unit in Sedona is going to have a bike pump, a place to lock your bike up and just kind of some of those things that attract people that are kind of like us as owners.
2: I love that. That's the Jay Massey uh, thing right there. Find out who you are and then cater to those people. I was like, ah, smart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> love that.
1: Now, now I hear the wine's pretty good over there. Do you leave a bottle of wine for your guests?
0: Uh, no, sometimes, sometimes when something goes wrong, we do. <laughs> <laughs> it's like our peace offering have you tried
1: like stuff like that and then just realized that ah, no one's drinking it or no one's, I don't know. It's not worth the
0: price. Not worth it. The... Yeah. We found it's not worth the price. We found it doesn't really differentiate you that much. I, I, some some owners down there do it. And some, um, some do it as a surprise. And that's actually something in my book. I caution you. Don't, don't leave those nice surprises. They're, they're, they're nice. Don't get me wrong. They're nice for your guests to find. But if you're doing something, if you're spending the money to leave a bottle of the wine, advertise it. Advertise it let people know you're doing it because then you can either get a slight premium for it, or you know you can set that expectation that, yep, this is a high end property. They're doing high end, uh, you know, features and details for us.
1: I like that. That's a <laughs> that's a good tip right there, Micah.
2: Yeah, yeah. I always say like it's certain things like people add, but like you don't charge for it. I'm like charge for it. You know, like uh, people <laughs> a- advertise. Like this happens a lot. Uh, people advertise a pool. But they're priced next door to the same guy that don't have a pool. I'm like, you're not adding value. You're not charging for the pool. We'll charge for the pool.
1: So or yeah. don't even put it on the listing. Ta-da, You have a pool. What? You yeah. <laughs> even
2: bring our swimming stuff,
1: man? Yeah, I know, right? Swimming naked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, so. So here's here's one thing. Cause you 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 jumped you got into this like you said, 2018. It seems so so long ago, right? Uh the world was different back in 2018 before the, the whole COVID thing. Um, anyways, so you jumped into a market that really wasn't uh didn't didn't have a lot of short-term rentals if they had any back then. And and then so I always bring it back to when I when I first started going to Padre and going into these places and and like the the. You know that you'd have to go to like to an office to pick up your towels and and some places you bring your own sheets and you bring your own <laughs> you bring your own toilet paper you bring your own everything right and so Airbnb kind of changed that so when you got to Sedona was it still old school like that?
0: It, well um, kind of just backing up from there a little bit the reason there wasn't a lot of short-term rentals and, and the reason that that kind of keyword in the bio was the first le- one of the first legal Airbnbs there was actually a statewide ban, so so the entire state of Arizona had a ban on uh, rentals less than thirty days. Oh, and then the 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 governor at the time stepped in and said, "Well, this is crazy. Why do we have this? Let's let's get rid of this ban." We, um, uh, fir- first he said, "Well, okay, we, we you know we that, that that's it. This ban is over with. It's done. Nobody can regulate it. Um, other than a private entity, so like a homeowners association, can still regulate it. But uh, like for example, the city of Sedona." couldn't regulate it. And then they had a little bit of warring back and forth between the city and the state. And Sedona's like, well, hey, okay, state, you can do whatever you want. But as a city, we aren't going to allow it. And the state said, well, okay, if you don't want to allow it, that's okay. Uh, We're going to cut off your funding. So good luck paving your roads or funding your schools or whatever. But yeah, yeah, you know, go go ahead, ban them. So so that changed pretty quickly. And then, uh, you know, so, so there's still a lot of homeowners associations that Ban short-term rentals, but uh, for the properties that aren't in an HOA, uh, of course now it's it's fully legal to do you know anything as short as one night.
2: Wow, no, no, man, sounds like and this is, you just actually put an idea in my head And I've thought about it, but I'm like, maybe starting HOAs that are short-term rental friendly is the way to go in the future. Because I mean, yeah, go
0: ahead. Oh, I was just to say that's exactly what we were looking for. That was that was one of our check boxes. So we, uh, you know, the, the first condo complex that we bought into, uh, was one of only three in the area at the time that was short-term rental friendly. Hmm. Wow. So that,
2: that's really the way to go, man. Then if you keep owning, it sounds like you've already scaled up and own multiple units there, the more control you can start to have. I like that. So now you said you started in 2018 to donor. How did now you, you said there's months where you just kind of break even. Now,
0: how did COVID affect that? Was it a good thing, bad thing? How did that work? Oh, man, when COVID uh, when COVID first uh, first became a thing, it was not a good thing. No, it was not a good thing. We lost uh, a lot of bookings.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I think that what, what was that? It was 2020, March, I think, give or take. And we lost uh, probably the entire month of March, the entire month of April, May. And then we saw kind of a slow comeback in June. And then I think like July and August, it just, it boomed. I think people were getting sick, of, uh, uh, being home, you know, whether they were traveling for vacation or just wanted to escape their own house and go somewhere different and, and get away and work remote. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what the trigger was, but when it changed it, it boomed um, significantly.
2: Yeah. The same here in this market. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The, um, not uh, what were we talking about before that? I'm sorry. <laughs> the, so it, it yeah, sorry, I got I got a whole list here. I'm gonna just grab something from the list. How about that? I'm <laughs> stumbling over my words. Yeah, yeah. Well, COVID. Okay. It seems like 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 Micah said it was a similar situation. People just got tired of sitting, you know, being pent up at home. And then, well, what better place to go than Sedona? Wide open spaces, right? At least you're not on top of everybody. And then you got the, you can go hiking. This, you can't catch COVID on a hike. Well, some politicians would say you can, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but what i was going back to what you say the state versus the city wow that was that was interesting man because like here you know the state really is like ah, right, you cities y'all do what y'all do man we're not going to get into this thing you know we're not going to make a ruling they're supposed to make a ruling years back and it never happened and um so this they just left left it up to the cities to start banning airbnbs over here but man you all y'all's state uh, governor's pretty gangster man i want him i want him to move to texas and take over texas and then and then open it up like that that would be awesome but yeah. um <laughs> so back to like here, here's the thing and and what's what's cool about the the hoa thing you talked about too where I, at first i was like okay yeah the hoa allows it now but and they allow airbnb at their complex but what happens if they start someone else takes over and then they and they end up banning it but that, i don't think that would happen because if you make a complex Airbnb or or short-term rental friendly, then people are going to start, you know, utilizing that, that thing and start making money. And then if someone does get in there, Hey, uh, I'm going to propose that we ban it. They're going to like screw you. We're going to vote you out. Right. I mean, this, it sounds like a
0: a perfect thing. Yeah. That's what we found with our community. So um, uh, we're 32 units out of the 32, I think about 27 or 28 are, Airbnb rental properties. Ooh. Some are dedicated Airbnb rentals, and some are like a mixed, um, you know, owners might come down for a month or two and then rent it for the rest of the year. Um, I actually ended up getting elected HOA president. Nice. And the entire fair. HOA board is all. Dreams uh, do come true. <laughs> I made it. <laughs> uh, but uh, off with their heads, you get yeah. drunk with power. Yeah. So, so like yeah. in our case, the entire. In- <laughs> You know, we just like chasing, chasing people off our lawns. That's... <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but like all the decisions that we make now as a board, we're, we're I think maybe one of those rare exceptions where we're a very well functioning HOA board. And, and a lot of the decisions that we make are for the benefit of um, the rental owners, because there's so many of them, we, You know, we, we try to balance the needs as best as we can, but we, we have a lot of nice little touches in the property. So we, you know, we have a, um, pretty sizable budget every year for putting flowers on the property and just, you know, nice things to make nice touches for kind of everybody. But we really cater it towards, you know, when a renter comes in and, you know, they spent good money to book your property, you want them to have that great experience from the moment they first, not, not walk into your unit, but walk onto the, the property as a whole.
2: Now, how often is stuff going up for sale in that condo complex? That, that, <laughs> yeah, because like, like, I'm like, <laughs> instead of always looking for these places to try to do this and that, hey, why don't you go to a community that allows it, you
0: know? So how often does stuff go up for sale in that complex? Not very often. Um, I, we just closed on one this week. It was a for sale by owner. It was another guy that was a former board member, and uh, he, he owned a couple of units in a different complex, and he wanted to pick up a third there, so... He did a first sale by owner on that one, and then sold his unit in in this complex to me, just to kind of, you know, free up the money to to mm-hmm. to get the one that he wanted. Uh, but that was the first sale that's happened in the community, I think, in probably a year and a half. Wow! HOA
1: president gets first dibs, Micah. I know. <laughs> so like, Micah bribe him.
2: No, no. Then I have a question. It's like since you're the HOA president. Um, how much does your vote, count, or, or and, and then how does the voting work, right? So like kind of how Steve said, if people can come in, like this one few people want to say, hey, we don't want a uh, Airbnbs anymore. How much power do you guys have to say no? Is it like a voting thing? Like you own three out of thirty-two, so your votes counts as three, or how does that work?
0: It's uh, well, that's actually it, a lot of that just changed this year as well, too. So, so <laughs> we are and and most uh, most Arizona. Complex. I think probably most in the country, but at least in Arizona, I can speak to uh, most communities like that are governed by two sets of documents of rules and regulations and uh, CCNRs. And the CCNR is a much deeper legal document, uh, and that's uh, that takes now. It's like an 80% or more, depending on your community, uh, majority vote of the ownership to change anything that's in your CCNR documents, but. Uh, within your rules and regulations, just a simple majority of the board can change those. Um, so like in our case, the ability to, to to operate your unit as a short-term rental is written into our CCNRs. So 80% of the community would have to vote um, in favor of changing that. So that's, you know, with, with the ownership structure that we have, that vote will never happen because it will be short-term rental legal forever. And what does CCR stand for? Um. Uh, covenants. Uh, oh man, now you're testing me. <laughs> I, 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 sorry, I, had, I didn't know I myself. I it in my head
2: too. I, I was going to help you. I had it in my head. Yeah,
1: Cledens, Cledens, Clearwater Revival.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> that works. <laughs> we'll go with that one. <laughs> no, it's, uh covenants something and restrictions. I forget the the second C in it now. Yeah, go. maybe control. Here's, I don't know.
1: <laughs> here's something. Here's something that I'm I'm gonna have you put to the board, put it to vote, put it to vote. You're the leader. You can, you can make it pass. Um, electric cars, charging station. There you go. Add that mm-hmm. to your complex. It,
0: you know, we looked at that. We, we we looked at that. So, so, so kind of two things. So a um, uh, couple doors down from us, there's a little like strip mall with some restaurants and they have a full row of uh, free EV charging stations mm. you can use when you're there. I don't think I've ever driven past it and seen a car plugged in. Mm. Okay. But we also looked at it as, um, as maybe like a profit center for the HOA, not, not for an individual unit owner, but for the HOA, like, should we put in, uh, you know, maybe two or three charging stations on the property? Uh, there are companies out there that, um, uh, basically it's like a, like a, a cost sharing model. You pay something up front. they install all the hardware, uh, they, they manage and service all the hardware, um, and then you get like a, like a split of the charging cost, So you earn, you know, so much per kilowatt, that per kilowatt hour that comes through the, the charging. When we looked at it, when we did the cost benefit, it just was not there for us. I think it was, you know, over $15,000 to add one charging station. And with the usage that we had expected to see it, just, there was no payback.
2: Wow. That's interesting. Um, by the Way it's covenants, conditions, and restrictions. That's what it is. Uh, thank you. <laughs> about those EV chargers, that's very it's funny that you said you don't see people sitting at them because last year, it might have been a year, year and a half ago, I started putting Tesla chargers in all my houses, right? So I was just like, let me put this in because of, of like the distance between like a Tesla charging station, it was so far in the area that I was in. But they just installed them down the street. I was like, ah crap. But when I go down the street, nobody's there. But when the there's a bunch of Tesla charger people that have Teslas that book my place, and I'm like, it's not. It's like they don't want to. They don't want to sit at those places. They rather have it at their home. Like even my next door neighbor, they have the charging things coming out of their out, under from under their garage because they don't want to sit at those places. So I think there is like some definitely like benefactors of like having those or like guests are like, Hey, I'm going to, this place has a Tesla charger. I ain't got to go sit at the Walmart or whatever and charge up. So yeah, that is, that's very interesting that you said that I've noticed that as well.
0: Yeah. And I think it'd be a lot different too. in a, you know, in a single family home or a small community, mm-hmm. like in a, in a larger complex like that, then I can see, you know, how, how do you know who gets uh, gets to use that spot and, and how do you stop somebody from just parking there for, you know, overnight or two, three days at a time and mm. blocking access for somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. We, we started looking at it and, you know, we wanted to, we wanted to do it. And it just, it, it, and in the end for us just didn't make sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So,
1: so you, you're used to buying vacation rentals. That's great. I know I've tried it a long time ago in the past. I tried it, uh, to do it and I just, and, and the process was a lot, it was a lot harder to buy a vacation rentals than just to go buy a three, two house. Have, have you, have you seen that firsthand and, and what are some tips and pointers to get the deal done?
0: It, it, you know, I feel like everyone gets a little bit harder and I feel like <laughs> and, and, and everyone gets a little bit more stressful, a little bit harder, a little bit tougher to, to, to get the financials that you want to hit. I think some of that is, um, you know, again, just going back to, um, to, to the fact that Airbnb, I think is much more mainstream now. And, um, I think investors are starting to understand the returns and I think more people are getting into it. And as more people get into it, the returns are going to drop, but, um, you know, you're always going to find someone that's willing to take a little bit less return, a little bit less return, a little bit less return. Um, so that's, you know, it's not dropping revenue, right? That's increasing expenses. That means that house is getting a little bit more expensive. Um, people have seen the value of it. yeah. I mean, you got to look, you got to know people. You gotta, uh, we found the Michigan place. I reached out to a property manager first. And, and again, something else I talk about a lot in my book too. It's like, don't go buy a house and, and hope it's going to be a good rental. Put together some kind of a strategy first. It's just like some of so my, my formal background is product development. And it's like, if you're going to build a new product, whatever whatever that is, if you're going to go build a new iPhone and you want to sell a new iPhone, it's like, y- you can adopt the mentality. We'll build it in there. Come, you know, we'll build the best iPhone in the world, and and you know maybe it'll sell, maybe not. But I guarantee you, you know, 99 times out of 100, if you go out, you do market research, uh, you understand what consumers want, you understand market trends, market pricing, and then you go back and design a product that fits that market, you're going to be a lot more successful. So it's it's no different with vacation rental properties. Do your homework, do your research, um, understand you know what it is you're looking for, but then also understand you know who's who's going to be on your team. So for me, like with the Michigan property, I reached out to a property manager up there right away. Um, she, she was also a realtor. So I was using her as my agent to help me find a place, but ended up picking up a pocket listing from her that I otherwise wouldn't have known about had I not reached out to somebody that specializes in um, you know short-term rentals.
2: Uh, and, and also it kind of piggyback off Steve's question with about vacation rental markets, right? So let's say... In vacation rental markets, I know it's a little bit different, but like in high season, right? Are most people, like, especially if you're in a complex where there's multiple two bedrooms, what are you doing to stand out?
0: Uh, a lot of that's how you furnish. How you, so so? Um, I mentioned before, we're only on Airbnb and verbo We don't do any direct marketing. We don't do any, you know, Google AdWords, anything like that. We found for us, we're able to keep an occupancy rate that we like without having to, to, to do that. If we started seeing occupancy drop, then I think we would start turning to those tools. Um, but, but kind of within those platforms uh, we like to run nicer rentals, higher end rentals. We spend a lot more money, I think, than the average person on furnishings. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we really streamline our check-in process. We every single time we get compliments on our check-in process on how clean the property is. Um, you know, we've hired the best cleaner that we could find and he scrubs everything every, in between every single rental that place is spotless. Um, I, f- I feel like al- almost every single uh, feedback we get on Airbnb is cleanest Airbnb I've ever stayed in. <laughs> and that's like, that's exactly what I want. And just stuff like that. Then people read it. They see it. They're like, yep, I want to book with this guy.
2: I love that. So you've, yeah. Cause I, I try to bathe. I'm happy you've said that too, because you have to find something you base your business on to where you get a five-star every time. Mine, I focus on is cleanliness and communication. Those two things go a long, long way. So, and also, so like, so you basically standing out due to like furniture, things of that nature. Now, do you see like someone, let's say they've owned their condo for 20 years, right? And they're doing short-term rentals. You've owned yours for five years. So, you know, that guy who owned it for 20 years, he, his operating expenses are a little bit lower. Do you see him kind of undercutting the market? Cause like I'm in a market right now. That's what a lot of people are doing. They're just undercutting everyone because their expenses
0: are low. And do you, do you guys see that in vacation rental markets? Um you, you know, I, I haven't a lot. No, I, I, a little bit. We we've seen it a little bit. Uh where we really saw it start to to really kind of ramp up was when COVID first started and everything just kind of slowed down to nothing. Then I think that was the only trick people had to boost occupancy was drop price, drop price, drop price. Um, you know, we were doing it too, and it's you know, it's it, it was at the point I think everybody everybody was so panicked and, and, and nobody really knew. What to do because COVID was so new and so unheard of, and you know Airbnb came out and announced uh, an unprecedented move of refunding everybody. And I think there was just this mass hysteria amongst hosts. <laughs> um, so that's, I mean, that that was the one lever we all had left to pull was was lower the price, try to encourage more people, uh, and maybe go to a longer term uh, rental to try to attract the work from home people. But um, you know, that was that was it other than that yeah i haven't really seen people racing to the bottom
2: gotcha it's interesting
0: do you ever buy units that
1: need major renovations
0: (sighs) yes i promised my (laughs) wife i would not buy a project house and then the three family was a project house all all three units were a project house (laughs) (laughs) um Okay.
1: I, I like, I was just wondering how that works, because I know, like, for example, other other um, beach communities or vacation real communities, it's not as it's, it's easy to find good labor, good contractors to do the work on a timely fashion. I could imagine. Was it like that over there?
0: Uh, it is not easy to find anybody to do anything in the place <laughs> where we are. So it's, it's, a, it's a tiny town. It's, it's the town is less than 2000 people. And the next nearest town is about 45 minutes away. Oh, wow. And it's uh the property is about a five-hour drive from my home in Wisconsin. And I've I've been little by little chipping off, chipping away at it. Oh, so it's so, not even done yet? No, so, uh, it's it's on the market. So it's 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 all the units on the inside are done. Mm-hmm. When I bought it, there were a couple uh a couple exterior flaws that needed some work. Um we did. Uh, we spent 11 days there and I I, 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 did find somebody to help me for those 11 days. So we had, it was myself, a couple friends, my wife, and then one, uh, hired handyman. And in like 11 days, we blew through a total, like, like total gut job of one of the units got everything oh, done wow. except for the bathroom. And, um, yeah, in, in under 11 days, it was amazing how fast it came together. Um, wow. turned out beautiful. That was the one that needed it the worst. The other ones just needed more kind of paint and furnishings. Mm-hmm. um they sold that it. it was uh, a kind of kind of using air quotes here but a turnkey rental but there was nothing really turnkey about it <laughs> the key turned that's what they meant <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it was fun I, I you know I, I love doing that kind of work myself it's um you know it's, it's something I legitimately enjoy so I don't mind doing it that's a property that I get to use all winter too I'm an ice climber so I get to go up there it's a big ice climbing spot Mm-hmm. Um, so I go up there with a big group of friends and like we'll, we'll go out climbing all day, come back and just drink beers and paint at night. Drink so, you know, <laughs> beers out. and
1: paint, no? <laughs> okay. <laughs> to each his own, man. I hate all that stuff. I mean, uh, I've done it before in some of my houses, but oh my God. You don't it's, hate yeah, drinking but... beers? I, do the, I like the drinking beer part. I'll, I'll be a supervisor.
0: All right. <laughs> we, we need that, too. Keep I, us working. <laughs> I'll, I'll buy the beers, too. I don't give a shit. Y'all can do the work, though. <laughs> Yeah, that one was interesting, though. It's a hundred and well, at least a hundred and twenty three year old house. They don't know for sure. I guess, uh, it, I think they only keep records back to 1900, so they just oh, listed wow. 1900 on the sale, and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's I did not know that. Wow, it, it's a quirky little place, though. It's, a, I mean, it's a cool little house. It's unique, it's unique. It's a cool little city. Um, you know, so it's it's been fun, a lot of work, but, but a lot of fun. See any ghosts there? no you know it's funny we keep uh, in all three units we have a copy of it and I, I forget the title of the book it's called like haunted up or up haunts or you know, up is upper peninsula for michigan and uh e- each one has a copy of it you no know, we, we're, we're not a haunted spot but not too far away we got a couple
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's cool man yeah we have a friend um sarah uh, sarah glidewell she's investing in michigan too, upper michigan so she uh she's big on the she's big on the mid- midwest and then um you know wisconsin michigan so she's she's doing some cool things over there we might have to hop on the
0: bandwagon with her yeah well come on over check it out
2: no no you i'm happy steve brought up the midwest because that was one one thing that always scared me about the midwest with midwest houses was like the brutal winters you know things that happen snow plowing freezing pipes and all that have you seen, has that become a problem in like your vacation rentals or how do you, or have you guys found a way to kind of, you know, do maintenance so that doesn't happen?
0: Um, It's, it's tricky. That house, again, because of the age is not well insulated mm. and it's had at least two or three additions put on it over the, the 120 Ooh. plus years. And at least one of those additions is not insulated like <laughs> at all. <laughs> so, and that's something we've yet to fix. That'll probably be, uh, that might be a next year project. Um, so we 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 keep a heat lamp running in one of the crawl spaces all winter and keep keep it from the pipes freeze. And so we have some pipe, uh, uh, both supply and drain pipes are in one of our crawl spaces. You know, we there, there's some maintenance that goes and you block up all the vents for the winter throw some insulation up, throw a heat lamp in there. I do have remote temperature sensors so I can watch the temperature and I'll get an alert on my phone if it gets too cold in like in the crawl space areas. And I can call the property manager and she'll go over and take care of it and again that's kind of the benefit having some boots on the ground up there. Um, yeah there's a lot of a lot of weird little quirks with the property. We had a um, uh, city sewer main back up and we had a basement that flooded with sewage that was oh. actually that's how I spent my fourth of July this year. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> un- un- Unexpectedly taking a trip to Michigan. <laughs> oh man well i mean you know these these things happen again that's where you know if you have that reserve fund it comes in handy (laughs) prepare for the unexpected
1: (laughs) well on that note reserve fund is this great great idea do you do you believe
0: in home warranty companies um i'm a diy guy so i personally don't I think they can work well for some people. And again, depends on what your skill set and, and you know, are, are you looking to be hands-on with your property or not? You know, I, I like to be hands-on. So for me, if, if, if a furnace goes, I don't have a problem replacing it. If, uh, you know, uh, uh, for, for me, no, no, I don't see a value. Sure. But again, that's just a pure personal statement for the right people. I think there's definitely a value to them.
1: I'm starting to hate them too, man, because they're starting <laughs> to deny everything now. And plus, not only to deny everything, you pay them to come out. And then they'll deny it, right? And I started out great. I started out with one that worked out great. You know, they, were, they approved a few claims and saved a bunch of money. But then now, man, they're just turning. They're changing. And um, I can never talk to anybody from this country. Nothing wrong with people from, not from this country. I'm talking to you know people from another specific country. And all they're doing is reading a script saying why they can't approve certain things. And, and I'm like, I have good handymen that can fix things for a decent price but I'm paying a monthly fee on like six different houses for to have these things that whenever I need to use them, they're getting denied now a lot. I mean, I mean most like almost a hundred percent denied now. So I'm like, what is the point to having these things anymore? If you have a couple good handymen that could fix things and plus you're not paying a monthly fee to, you know, to, to have something that you can't use, you know, I don't know. I'm just, I'm trying to changing my tune on these things.
0: Yeah. And I, I struggle with, which just the concept of repairing a lot of that stuff in general. Um, I mean, today, everything, you know, I mean, appliances aren't super expensive. If you buy something new, you don't have to buy something, you know, you don't, you don't need to buy a, you know, $2,500 fridge for a rental. You can buy a $600 fridge for a mm-hmm. rental. And when it breaks, you can get rid of it and put a new fridge in. And to me, and, and again, I think maybe because all of our properties are remote, so it's a lot harder to get down to them when something breaks. So I'm I'm always reliant on Others in that scenario, like, if, you know, if a stove dies, I got to get a new stove in there ASAP. Um, I would rather just have things that are newer. Uh, I don't always trust, the, trust something that's repaired. You know, if, if one thing's failed on it, do I know another thing's not going to fail tomorrow? I'd rather just replace it and move on.
2: Man, that is, I fully agree with you. The funny thing is, this week I just canceled five home warranties. <laughs> uh, I canceled five of them because they just were just horrible, man. You can't get them on the phone, but their customer retention department will keep you on the phone for three hours. hours. All, you, all the incentives you'll get <laughs> if you stay. <laughs> I'm like, we have stuff that's been broke for three months. You haven't came
1: in. <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: and, and, you know, Mike, it's funny you mentioned five of them. It's it, it's a numbers game too, right? If you, if you own enough properties, if you have enough home warranties, you're you're, you're going to lose that bet, right? They're in business to make money.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, if, you know, where you can benefit, if you, it, it like your primary residence, if, if you're not in the rental business, if you own one home, if you live in it, maybe it's a good bet, um, you know, for the right person again. But, um, you know, when you start scaling up, you get to the point that if, if you got one stove that fails in one of your 20, 30, 50, whatever properties, do you really need, 50 different warranties to cover those 50 different properties or do you just replace that stove and move on.
2: Yeah. that By that time, once you scale up to that, you can have your handyman working for you full time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Work.
2: Yeah. My, uh, the banker up here at the bank, he's basically was saying, Hey, yeah, once you scale up, just get hire a handyman to work for you full time. And I was like, Oh, that's a good idea. And you know, this was his uncle did. So yeah, I, I put my con basically what I did was I took my home warranty. I was paying every month. And I was like, I asked my handyman, "Hey, can I pay you this every month just to be on retainer?" And he was happy to take it. And I actually cut the cost in half. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> only works when your rentals are all in the same state, though. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's
2: true. That is true.
1: Man, this is it's this been a good a good conversation right here. Um, I, I it's intriguing that that you wrote that you're able to write a book because I, I was I, I've
0: always wanted to to try that. And what what advice do you have to aspiring book writers? Just start, you know, it's like, uh, like what's the old saying, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Mm -hmm. Just, just start, just write something, reread it. If you don't like it, throw it away, start again. If you don't like that, throw it away, start again. And eventually you'll have something you like. Um, I I started, I started writing first and then I kind of wanted to see where it was going to go. And then I stopped and then I went back, you know, maybe, maybe only two or three chapters in, but then I stopped, went back and then outlined and then made made the formal outline of what I wanted the book to be. Uh, then I went and did the research to support it. And then I went back and rewrote the whole thing. But for me, just kind of writing those first couple chapters, just, just top of mind, no, no research, no nothing, just no filter between the brain and the keys typing. Um, it, it was really able to just kind of let me engage more of the creative side. It, it kind of relaxed me into the process a little bit rather than, starting with the kind of the heavy research and, and maybe the less fun parts of putting pen to paper, but yeah, just, just start. It's, it's no different than, than getting in anything else, getting into the STR business. How do you do it? Well, will just, just start.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Did you do a good job, Micah? Oh yeah, this
0: is good.
2: This is good. <laughs> i love his it.
1: book his book was, uh, was pretty badass
2: yeah yeah by the way yeah if y'all have not read the vacation rental bible definitely check it out I, I gotta definitely check out your other books as well but yeah my uh good friend of the podcast actually sent me a dm and was like hey read this book as soon as i read it i was like oh man this is good stuff man good so good <laughs> i was making reels about some of the stuff in it so yeah definitely uh check out his book uh vacation rental bible hey uh, <laughs>
1: can you awesome. I don't know who does these. This is really cool. because I, And I and now when I hear about a book, I look, I go to straight to YouTube and see if someone did a, one of those writing on the whiteboard synopsis of the book. I love those things, man. And, and they, you know, they did it for Rich Dad, Poor Dad. They did it for Cashflow Quadrant, all these different types of books. And he goes and he starts writing, draws a little character. This is what he's doing. This is what he's thinking. This is what his, you know, his next step is to get to the bank. And he draws a stack of money. I don't know. I don't know who does those or just someone does it to, on their own because they like a book and then of course they want to make money from this thing but uh, i don't know I don't, that's that's a tip for you if you want to maybe hire someone to do that then that that gets a lot of eyeballs on your on your book too uh, i don't know i think they're really cool those those things those yeah synopsis. i like it sounds good yeah and 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 someone to uh what's it called uh audio books i like audio books so i don't know who, mm-hmm. how you go about doing that you could read your own book right
0: yeah, you know, to be honest, I don't know how you how you get started in the audiobooks. So I, I self-published on Amazon. Um, but I never went that so it, it's hardcover paperback or Kindle format, but I have not yet done the audiobook format. So that, that should be the next evolution.
1: Self published on Amazon. So you so you get to keep 90% and they keep 10%, right? Oh, not quite that good. <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: I wish what is the split because we've heard stories about the split um man i think for a paperback is 60 40 but who gets who gets 60 uh author gets 60 but that's net of a printing cost Oh, so, okay. so there's there's the retail there's a the printing cost and then there's a 60 40 split they take their 40 off the the very top of course and then you get the balance so if it's audiobook there's no printing involved right uh no that i'm not sure how it splits again i haven't done the audiobooks so i'm not sure how they split it and, and kindle's a little bit different as well too kindle is uh author keeps 70 percent but then they charge you a uh delivery fee so that's their cost to push it through the internet and onto your kindle mm. uh, okay they always get you yeah oh yeah <laughs> hidden fees a lot of hidden fees <laughs> that's cool man well well, thank you so much for hopping on. Where can folks find you? Uh, definitely check me out on Amazon, Vacation Rental Bible, and supercharge your Airbnb.
1: Sweet. Dave mental everybody. Thank you, sir, for hopping on. We wish you all
0: the luck, and we hope to see you again in the future. Uh, thank you, guys. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah,
2: definitely. Uh-huh. I'm looking forward to the third book. Yeah, and thank you for coming on.
0: All right. Hey, thanks, guys. All right. Later.
2: All right. That was the author of the Vacation Rental Bible. That was, I think that was the, no, no, no the last short term rental book I read was Julie's book, and I finished it. Yeah. So, very good book, man. I love that book. That book was really good. A lot of good insights in there that he he, he dropped some insights in there that if you weren't in the short term rental space, you, it kind of, it doesn't go over your head. But once you get in, you'll be like, oh, man, I see what he means. So, yeah, very good book, man.
1: Yeah, man. And, and especially because, you know, I've always wanted to have a vacation rental property and I talk about it in Padre. And um, so I just I just I always I always feared the down season. You know, I always feared that. And I and I so many people bought them recently. Right. Because the the market was going crazy. Everybody was flush with cash and the banks were giving everybody money. And so after all the houses were snapped up, oh, we'll just go buy something at a vacation rental area. And now those people are freaking out because the down season's coming or the beach community. So like, what do we do? I can't even cover my mortgage.
2: Man, and I ain't gonna lie. That's been my fear of the vacation rental market too. I'm <laughs> like, man, they have down seasons. But like in his book, that's what he was talking about. He was like, you'll have a down season, right? You'll just, okay, I'm not gonna make any money. I'll just break even or just won't make money at all. And they're comfortable with that. Because of all the money they make during the high season. But it's like, you know, here in Dallas and Fort Worth, shit, we used to make money year round. We used to just having, I mean, we have a down season where it comes down a little bit, but you just ain't gonna have nobody in there at all. Like, oh shit.
1: <laughs> so, our, our down season is September. That's it.
2: Yeah, you know, <laughs> like that. You know, it's just like, yeah. So it, it is, it is kind of, but how he broke it down and explained it, it made me kind of ease up, like, okay, I could probably do this. Because you know how he said, Hey he even has a whole spreadsheet of how to calculate your expenses for the whole year and you'll just make money. I was like, Oh, damn. But yeah, he, he talks a lot about investment strategies as well. That's a really, really cool thing.
1: Yeah. We had to, we had to talk a client of ours off the ledge. And because <laughs> in, in a, you know, figurative sense, not like really they were going to jump off a building or nothing, but yeah. we had, we had to tell her um, and, and, and she has this house, with a swimming pool here, you know, close by, that was freaking crushing it dude all the way from spring summertime a swimming pool it's really nice right and so crushing it killing it and then um and it started slowing down you know recently because september you know kids go back to school families you know stop traveling so much they got to get all that stuff situated Then you know pick like you said picks up again october november um but so she's freaking out having this chat with her i'm like listen 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 you can't just look at this one month You got to look at the whole body of work, the whole painting, you know, not just this little bad rough spot right here. It's the whole thing. Look, you've been killing it. You've been making four or five dollars a month, you know, in these up months, just because you have a down month and you're like, Oh, I, you know, barely going to cover my mortgage, blah, blah, blah. But look at all this other money you made. You gotta, you gotta, it's gotta be all one. This 12 months is all one. (laughs) (laughs) it's all yeah yeah it's a whole 12 month thing it's not just a three month thing or a two month thing or one month month by month it's the whole you're paying the whole body of work you gotta look at
2: yeah you do you do i'm happy you brought that up because yeah that would make people jump off the edge just like dude you gotta chill out there's down season because it's funny i you know i haven't been on social media but if you notice every time this time of the year a bunch of people get on social media those facebook groups oh i don't have no reservations i don't have no it's like Dude, it's back-to-school season. It happens every year. I mean, once you've been in for a while, you know it's back-to-school season. It happens every year. But, yeah, man, for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Great show again. Episode 223 in the books. Uh, I'm Stevie Stacks. You got, you know, look me up. Uh, ArgestRentals.com. Argest without the L, so it's not largest. It's Argest. But ArgestRentals.com. It's the largest, man. Hit me up. I'll manage your place. I'll make you money, even in September. You know, that's how we roll, Micah you blatantly just said your client didn't make money. yeah I, no i didn't say she lost money i didn't say she lost money she didn't make as much as she was accustomed to
2: yeah they've got to get over that people got to yeah. understand man yeah she just stop,
1: yeah stop tripping i'm just kidding i love you client i'm not talking about you by the way if you think i'm talking about you i'm not talking about you okay there you go i cleared it up <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, thank y'all for continuing to listen definitely hit us up uh, live, let thrive at gmail.com. Remember to hit the subscribe button, like the video. Uh, and if you're on iTunes, make sure to leave us a review, man. If you love us and been riding with us and, uh, yeah, thank y'all for continuing to roll with us. And if you have any properties in the DFW area that you need to sell, hit me up info at sharebnb.com or just hit me up on Instagram or Facebook, wherever, you know, where to find me. So, uh, yeah, thank y'all to continue to listen. We are
0: out. Peace. Later.